Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Thanks for joining us today, listeners. I'm here in studio. Aaron Richards is my name. I'm joined with my brother in Christ and co-host for today's show, Dan Demite. Dan, well, welcome. Hello, hello. It's going to be a party up in here. Yeah, we've got a great guest um, who's going to be joining us later on today in the show as well. Uh, Dan, do you want to kick us off in prayer today? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray for men and women in the church who are completely and entirely in love and dedicated to you. Lord, we pray that we would raise up sons and daughters and allow them to experience the fullness of what you have for the Christian walk. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, continue to show us um, how it is that you're calling us to live in this life. God, never let us be so set in our ways that we are unwilling to have uh, a life transformed by you. Mm. Jesus, show us where you are. Show us what you want to speak to us. God, and give us a a path for transformation and conversion every day. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Beyond Damascus, that's an interesting name for a show, Dan. It's an interesting name. First of all, I love how so many people misspell Damascus. (laughs) Everyone's like, wait, what? What is this name all about? And is it Damascus, Syria? What are you talking about? And They're they're spelled the same. Yeah, they are spelled the same. It's because it's the same... (laughs) Place, right? Because uh, we, we named this show after uh, Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Uh, like Just like Paul, who while journeying to Damascus, he saw this bright light and he falls to the ground and he's blinded and he says, he hears this voice, right? And he asks, like, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus. <laughs> so I just love that. Like, how many conversion moments can you say that you hear the voice of God say, I am Jesus? <laughs> Maybe all of them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so that's kind of the goal of an encounter, right? And so Paul has this profound encounter with Jesus, but what, what was important wasn't just what happened on the road to Damascus, but what happened beyond Damascus, yeah. right? And and, and Dan, so listeners, Dan and I actually, we are the executive directors at, of a ministry called Damascus, and we're actually recording here at our Damascus Media Studio today, the illustrious Damascus Media Studio today, I should say that. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, this is our mission too, right? Uh, uh, the the tagline of our ministry is that we awaken, empower, and equip, right? That, that our, our goal is to bring people to that moment where here, young people... Um, primarily where here they can come and they can they can be awakened to faith through an encounter with Jesus and then like St Paul who encountered Jesus on the road they can go to Damascus to be uh empowered and to be equipped yeah to, some interesting things happened to Paul there right yeah, it was interesting. It wasn't like Paul just had his conversion moment at uh, on the road to Damascus and said, okay, now I'm going to go off and do everything I, I did for the church. But instead, yeah. he went into the Lord instruction to go to Damascus where he met the disciples, right? And Paul was actually ministered to by the disciples, especially Ananias, that there is um, a disciple that that the Lord appeared to, and he told Ananias to go and minister to Paul. Imagine being Ananias, right? Like, (laughs) you're this guy who, all it says in Scripture about Ananias is that he was a disciple of the Lord. So it it was, uh, he's a disciple of the Lord, and one day he's praying. Wasn't the priest. No, he wasn't wasn't the the bishop. No, he's just a normal dude. And the the Lord appears to him and says, hey, you know that guy named Saul who has letters that can arrest all the Christians in Damascus and then take them in? 
single and, and prison the single them. biggest threat to yeah. my life. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who wants to literally, it says a Saul in, in, in Acts chapter nine, it says now Saul still breathing murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord. Like, so I don't know. I've met some angry people in my life. I've never met someone that I would say was breathing murderous threats against <laughs> me. Right. And he appears to Ananias. He's like, Hey, I want you to go lay hands on Paul and, and share the word of God with mm. him and pray for the Holy Spirit and, and, and just takes this boldness and Ananias to go. And um, and then Ananias and the other disciples in Damascus, they minister to Paul. He regains his sight and they, they open the word of God to him more fully. And then it says he starts preaching. And while he was in Damascus, he grew in, in knowledge of the Lord and he grew in his ability to convict hearts. And it wasn't like... Paul just like had a conversion and then went off by himself and started doing ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Friends, it should come as no surprise to you that Paul's really the patron of this program. Yeah. (laughs) And and the patron of Damascus. And, uh, you know, I'll do a, I'll do a quick shameless plug. If if you're looking for a way to fall more in love with the story of St. Paul, um, a good friend of ours, Eric Groth with Outside the Box uh, Film Studios released a movie last year in, uh, it was a, coordination with Sony. Um, it wasn't last year. It was a couple years ago now. Mm-hmm. Paul, Paul the Apostle. Yeah. And um, I can I can say confidently that this movie transformed my life, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there, there, there are very few films um, that I'll watch that will move me emotionally to the point where it takes me days to recover. And, <laughs> and this was one of them. And, and it, Falling in love with St. Luke and St. Paul was, it, it's a spectacular film. Yeah. And it just shows kind of the brotherhood that they had in that, that early church. And it was, it wasn't that they like were by themselves, but they actually sharpened each other. Right. Yeah. And this idea of we help disciples help disciples grow. Yeah. And that it's not just one, like I have a conversion experience and then I start running all, yep. all by myself. Yep. And it's, it's that, it's that family, it's the reality of family that, that God, God desires for us to be together and he positions us to be together in the way that he speaks to us in the way that he encounters us in the way that he uh, calls us to rely on him, to calls us to rely on one another. That if, if we are not multiplying, right, if we're not passing on the message, then we're not going to survive. Yeah. I was talking to Curtis Martin, who's the founder of Focus, mm-hmm. and uh, if you don't know about Focus, they do a great job with what they call the discipleship method, right, where they, they strive to uh, help raise up disciples, disciples raising up disciples, if you will. And, um, you know, we were talking about the difference between, like, should, should ministries, like, uh, should we go out and preach and just do a bunch of faith awakening ministry, or how, how, do, we, how do we discern whether or not you know, we should just go to a parish and run parish missions or go and speak versus like having a community that you raise up. And he said something really profound. He said, you know, I, I always thought that a good father didn't just give birth to children, but they raised them up to full maturity. And that in ministry, we want to make sure that we don't just give birth to sons and daughters, but that we raise them up to full maturity. Amen. And that it, there's this call uh, upon the, the the heart of one who is in ministry, that we have to give birth to new life, new creation, that we want to awaken faith and awaken them to the power of God's love. But we want to raise them up into full maturity so that they're strong sons and daughters that grow 
grow into the full stature of Christ, or as St. Paul would call it, mature manhood, right? Yeah. That like there's a maturity in our spiritual life that develops over time. And I'm not just going to give birth to new life in Christ to people, but I want to help raise them up to full maturity. Mm-hmm. And that's been one of the transforming messages here at Damascus as well. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the ministry, with the work that we're doing here in this apostolate, uh, we've got you know, one of the core functions of our of our calling isn't just running retreats and running camps, although those things are amazing and impactful and touching the lives of thousands of kids each year, but it's it's the the formation of, of our Damascus missionary formation program. That we've got we've got a two year program of formation where where young adults will come and cast in their lot with us for a year to be formed and to be trained and to be fathered in the faith, right? That we want to, we, we want to reproduce who it is that we are. Elsewise, the, the, you know, the church is, the church is, has got a, has got an end date on it. If, if we're not reproducing who we are as Christians, then there's no hope for evangelization. It's not a matter of sharing a good message. It's a matter of starting a good family. Yeah. That, and that's a very bold statement. Aaron, because it says that you're worthy of being reproduced, right? Mm. That your Christian lifestyle is. And that's a, it's interesting because if we're going to disciple another person and say, okay, I'm going to raise you up and teach you what it means to be Christian. Holy smokes. I better be on my knees in prayer asking the Lord to teach me what it means to be Christian because we don't want to reproduce and raise up uh, a, a, a mistake, right? A, a mistaken notion and, and just the importance of living the life away well so that we can teach others how to live the life yeah. well. Yeah. And that's intimidating. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's intimidating, uh, a lot of us as Christians, we don't do it. Well, yeah. Well, it's Paul's words are so insane. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And it's like, okay, so I, I know that I imitate, my life imitates Jesus so much. So you may not have met Jesus and you may not have walked with Jesus in Nazareth, but you can meet me and you can walk with me. And because I'm living Jesus's life, just do what I do. Like, mm-hmm. wow. First and foremost, may God grant me the grace to be there <laughs> that I would have so much conviction that even if you're not able to meet Jesus and walk with Jesus and listen to Jesus mm. and see the works of Jesus, you've met me and my life is so Jesus-like. My life is so Jesus that when you hear me, you hear Jesus. When you see me minister, you see Jesus ministering. When you see my life decisions, you see kingdom-like decisions, make right? It, make it so, Lord. Yeah, imitate <laughs> me as I imitate Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we're, we want to dive in today, this idea of living a life like Jesus so that we can raise up people who live a life like Jesus, that we want to live a life that lives beyond Damascus, that we don't want to just uh, help awaken faith and then walk away from people, but we want to help awaken faith in people and then walk with them into the yeah. lifestyle of Jesus. And the particular question we're asking today is how does that, how is that accomplished in our typical experience of faith? Yeah. Right. Where do we typically experience faith? Well, on Catholic radio, no doubt. Oh, of but, course. But in our parish, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes in today's church, a parish environment is not an environment of discipleship and family and and accompaniment and it needs to be mm-hmm. so yeah it's a it's a it's a great opportunity for us to ask 
ask ourselves, how can we get better? Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to um, take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to bring on one of our missionaries who's about to deploy here from Damascus. His name's Connell Hughes. And he's going to share just his encounter with Jesus Christ and, and then the dreams that God's placed on his heart. It's going to be incredible. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We will be right back. Catherine Hadro. Every week, I get together with a team of pro-life experts to shine the light of truth on abortion, euthanasia, assisted suicide, and the culture of death. We'll help to inform you so you can become engaged in the pro-life movement. EWTN Pro-Life Weekly, more than a show, a call to action. EWTN Pro-Life Weekly with Catherine Hadro. Tomorrow morning at 1030 on EWTN Radio. Is prayer powerful? St. Alphonsus Liguri put it this way, He who prays will be saved. He who does not pray, well, you get the point. Prayer can bring us salvation. It's the means of putting us into communion with God, and God can do all things. The more our will lines up with the will of God, the more powerful our prayers. And the simpler they become, ultimately, be it done to me, Lord, according to thy word. That's the prayer God will always answer. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, where encounter meets mission, and I'm excited for today's show, Dan. I'm excited for every show, Yeah, though. I've never heard you say I'm not excited for today's show. And hopefully you won't hear me say that. <laughs> today's show is going to be really bad. The day I start <laughs> saying that, you can find a new co-host. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we've been talking about discipleship. And that's a that's a fancy word, and it's a it's a trendy word in the church right now. If you're if you're involved in church ministry in any way, but it's something that is core to the heart of Jesus, and uh, it you know it's an area where we all need to grow. So I'm I'm excited for us to continue to dive in today, especially in the context of what that can look like for parish revival. And we've got with us a special guest, one of our missionaries here at Damascus, who will be. Uh, deploying into parish life this year. This is a passion on his heart. I don't want to ruin his story, though. Friends, let's welcome on Connell Hughes. Yeah! Yeah, Connell, thanks for joining us today. Aaron, Dan, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. You've got such a good radio voice, Connell. This is going to be a joy. Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm learning from the best here. (laughs) So, Connell, why don't you share with us how you came into faith uh, with Christ Jesus and uh, just that conversion that God brought into your heart? Yeah, Dan, you know, I was really blessed growing up. Both my parents have been following Jesus for upwards of 30 years, and I was raised in a family of faith. I was the firstborn and had a few siblings, and we would pray together as a family every night for a few minutes and perform meals and things like that, although I wouldn't say my relationship was totally personal. It was the kind of thing that we just did because it was the right thing to do, at least in my mind, until I reached age to go to a conference around high school. And the conference would be similar to something that the youth here at Damascus would experience at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. Yeah, It was a faith awakening experience. And for me, it totally changed my life. It was July 23rd, 2011, when I was in a room full of other teens my age and a few years older, and they were playing some music that was worshiping Jesus. And and I was just having a good time, and, and, and obviously this conference was Catholic. So at one point, the, the priest processed the Eucharist around, around the arena that we were in. And as Jesus drew near to me, uh, it was similar to something you said in the introduction, Dan, where it says, I, am, where I heard a voice saying, I am Jesus, or something very similar to that. Mm. And 
Uh, I was filled with more peace, more joy, more feelings of love, tenderness, kindness than I'd ever experienced mm. in my entire life. Uh, and it, it totally rocked my world. And for the next two months, I, I didn't even want to talk about or think about anything other than Jesus. It was, it was totally remarkable. And I was only, what, 13 at the time. Wow. Well, fast forward, I, I was living in a small town and uh, there weren't too many other families of faith in our area. We were faithful to our parish and we were highly involved, but I wouldn't say there was something of a youth group that was there, uh, nor anybody else my age who was practicing their faith. And so it was very challenging to live out my faith. And I would say for my freshman year of high school, uh, I did a reasonably good job of staying faithful to Jesus. But as time goes on without a community of faith, it becomes very, very challenging to do that. Mm-hmm. And I certainly wasn't being mentored by anybody in faith. And so as high school continued on, it's a, it's a slow fade, as they say, and I became more and more worldly. And this trend continued through my senior year of high school when I finally made a decision that if I wanted to live out this faith thing, this thing that I'd encountered years ago, then I was going to have to make a decision to find it for myself. And I went to a university that was going to raise me up in faith. And so I attended Franciscan University of Steubenville. Yeah. Oh, I've never yeah. heard of that place. <laughs> I believe your wife went there just a few years <laughs> oh, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, it was there at Stephenville that I was discipled by a senior my freshman year, and he walked with me. He sat down with me every day hmm. for 30 minutes, and he challenged me, and he gave me scriptures to pray with, and he walked me through the early stages of a lived relationship with Jesus, something that I'd hungered for for years, but I had found wanting in my years in high school. And uh, anyway, the discipleship was effective, and I continued that prayer life for a few years, and it was at the end of my years in college that I discovered this amazing place, Damascus, and wanted to be a part of it and receive formation from the likes of you two. And so here I am today. Wow, that's really neat. So when the senior, did he approach you? Did you approach him? Like, did you say like, hey, I'm trying to like learn how to be, I, I want to be discipled. Like, or <laughs> what, what was that? Like, how did it happen so that he started mentoring you in an organic way that wasn't like, he was, hey, why is a senior hanging out with me every day? He got, he got struck blind in the parking lot. Oh, that's what it was. He got <laughs> struck blind. He comes and Ananias is like, hey, I'm Ananias. Yeah. Was the guy's yeah. name Ananias? You know, it wasn't. It was John, something similar. Oh, there, yeah. right? close, close. And the Greek, I think it could be Ananias. Oh, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> no, you know, there, Steubenville Franciscan University has a really amazing system for, for discipleship. They call it the household system, but similar to, you know, a fraternity or sorority Greek life at a secular university, it's a community of of people who are Mm. behind a common vision, except at Franciscan, the vision is Jesus and its relationship with him. Good vision. There's no better vision, right? (laughs) And so I was hungry for a community, uh, a household that I could find where the, the men would draw me deeper into relationship with God. And I didn't have much idea what that looked like, you know, this young freshman dude, but I saw the way the men lived, specifically the seniors, because in my mind, the seniors are like the final product of your years in that community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I was very impressed by them. And so I wanted to be a part of it, didn't know what that entailed. And it sure entailed a whole lot more than I expected when I first signed up. (laughs) But uh, yeah, and after joining or asking to join that community, I was invited to choose one man among the ranks to be my formator. And my buddy, John, he's a senior, he's a senior at the time. He, he, uh, gladly obliged me when I asked and that's how the process began. That's awesome. It was the household, isn't it? Wasn't it called disciples? Disciples of the word. <laughs> okay. There you on. go. Disciples yeah. of the word. So they, it's nice because they actually lived up to their charism, right? And their name. So that's good. <laughs> they sure did. There's a couple of amazing men who years back founded the household. They're movers and shakers in the kingdom today. 
And I was just really blessed to be a part of the formation that they built at the time. It was remarkable. And it really, it really takes anyone from a place of uh, no prayer life into a lived daily relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And it's interesting just to even call ourselves a disciple. It means one who is taught, right? Mm -hmm. And so that like to be uh, a disciple means that I'm willing to be taught and I want to learn something, a, a way of life. And, you know, in the early church, the rabbis would actually, it wasn't that they were teaching just intellectual knowledge. A rabbi would pass on to their disciples, not not intellect, but a way of life, right? Mm-hmm. I love the the you know, the idea of the early rabbis, they would say, come follow me. And when they wanted to invite someone into their way of life, and the response was, let your dust be upon me. And that that idea that your way of life is so beautiful, I want to follow you and imitate you so closely that literally the dust from your feet would cover me, or the the your the way you walk, the way you live, your lifestyle would cover me. So what kind of lifestyle teachings did John teach you? Yeah, well, I think if John was here today, the first thing he would say is that it really wasn't him that was so worthy of imitation. It really was Jesus in him, and he wouldn't take any of the credit for that. He, yeah. he would even say, Connell, I may be your big brother here, but Jesus is your true big brother. Mm-hmm. He's the one who's going to be forming you, not me. And I think that could be something that's intimidating for a lot of people in, in, in the world in parish life is they, they would love to evangelize and disciple people, but they'd feel as though they're not worthy of mm-hmm. that kind of imitation and so someone better than me, the priest or a sister, could do that. And I, I think John is a great example, maybe primarily of saying anybody can do this. Anyone who has a lived relationship with Jesus is worthy to be a discipler. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the things that John taught me primarily through our months of formation were simply just how to how to have a lived relationship with Jesus. As simple as that sounds, a daily, regular, and consistent prayer life that that would uh, make me dependent on Jesus, constantly returning to the well. Because if John could pass that on, then Jesus could take care of the rest. You know? <laughs> and so it was just, it was more than anything accountability to, Connell, are you returning to the living water every day? And there were other details that we worked out through the process, but that was the crux of it, is coming back to Jesus every and, day. And what are the practicals? How do you live that right now? What's a daily prayer life look like? A daily prayer life for Connell, a daily prayer life for hopefully any Christian involves making a commitment to Jesus as your number one priority. Mm-hmm. Who is your best friend, right? And I think about my best friends who are human beings and you know maybe there's, if there's a girl I'm interested in, right? Like how excited do I get to spend time with that person? Mm-hmm. How much am I willing to sacrifice to have free time with that person? And am I willing to do the same thing for Jesus? Right, And if the answer is yes, then I can truly say he is my best friend. So a daily prayer life would be would include obviously going to the Word himself, Scripture, and using things that we teach here at Damascus, like mm-hmm. Lexio Divina to all the youth who come on site. It's a beautiful ancient form of prayer the church has. But also just having a basic conversation with him throughout your day, learning to hear God in prayer, and then having devotion to saints who are able to you know, obtain grace for us to get through difficult times on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's neat because the <clears throat> the way you described the invitation to kind of be discipled was that they invited you to discern someone who you wanted to be mentored by, if you will. And 
I think this idea of coaching or mentorship is really popular in our culture right now. And um, it didn't start with like the American culture coming up with this idea of like having a coach, you know, and like, um, but it, this, I like, this is the way things used to be. And, and, and that this coaching is, is, I wonder if we're proactive enough in our faith to say, you know, I want to actually go up to the person who I see is living Christianity really well or living life in Christ really well and ask them, Hey, can, can we, could, would you be willing to mentor me a little bit? Would you be willing to sit down with me once a month and share your faith with me so that I can grow? Or if we have a hunger to coach others, are we willing to go to someone and sit and invite them like, Hey, would you, would you want to, um, be mentored in the faith and grow up in the faith. And I think sometimes we just, we don't take action because we're afraid to ask or invite, you know? That's yeah, absolutely. Great. You know, I think there's just sometimes that basic fear of being rejected either as the person inviting someone to disciple you or to be discipled by you. And I think what it comes down to is as we fall more and more in love with Jesus, there's just a courage that is built up within mm-hmm. us. And there's a desire as we fall more in love with Jesus to pass on what we have to other people, what God has given us to other people. Likewise, when we're early in the faith, we may not have the courage to ask somebody yeah. to disciple us. And so it really is a really cool opportunity for us to make disciples of all nations, you know, yeah. and to invite people to uh, spend time with us and learn how to fall more in love with Jesus. Amen. Yeah. This is how this ever grow, right? This is, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not something new, like you said. Uh, this is how, this is how we learn to talk. This is how mm. we learn to walk. Right? This is how we learn to pray. Um, this is how we learn our name. And yeah, great point. We were discipled by our parents, and maybe not in, always in a Christian way, but in life skills, everything. Yeah. We we uh, were coached up and taught how to do things. Yeah. So, like like a lot of the the things we talk about on our show here. Um, this is a form of evangelization that's that is not optional for mm. us, but rather this is the way that we we have to live our life. Mm-hmm. I think a great reason. I think that the reason that example is so good, Aaron, is because um, discipleship is ultimately not about teaching the content of the faith, but teaching the lifestyle of the Christian, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's exactly what a mom or a dad does, that they teach a lifestyle of a human <laughs> to their child. And it's not necessarily that you're sitting down and saying, okay, this is how you walk, right? You're going to put two feet under you and then one foot. But instead, the, the children watch and they imitate, right? And that's ultimately discipleship is about watching and imitating. Like mm-hmm. I'm seeing how you're living the Christian lifestyle and now because I see the Christian lifestyle lived, I can imitate it. Yeah. And the church suffers a, a massive discipleship problem when we don't live a life worthy of imitation yeah. or we don't live an expression of imitation that's different than everyone else's life. If, yeah. if every Christian looks like every other American, hmm. then how do we how do, then what is the Christian lifestyle, yep. right? The lifestyle has to look different in some way, shape, or form. Yep, yep. Um, so one of the one of the areas I'd love to hit on in today's show is is how it is that we live that practically, right? How how is it that we can actually live this in the context of a parish or a family? And uh, I was I was blessed a couple I don't know this is probably a year ago at this point, but um, in my own in my own daily prayer in my own family, uh, my Monica and I, my wife and I, decided that we wanted to make a priority for our kids reading scripture, and the best time for them to do that was in the mornings, mm-hmm. right? So they'd come out in the morning and they'd want to play video games or watch a show. And we'd say, no, we're going to read scripture first. And uh, it's been awesome because they they were really excited about doing it. But in order for that to be impactful, 
I had to make a decision on what to do with my own prayer life, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I wasn't one who had a discipline of morning prayer. I had prayer during different parts of my day planned in. And I came to the realization that if, if I'm asking my kids to get up in the morning and prioritize reading scripture, I'd sure as heck bet, like better bet that, that when, when they get up, they see me sitting in the same place reading scripture. So I, I had to make a decision with my life that if I want to be living a life that's worthy of, inti- of imitation in this particular area, that I actually have to be doing it, right? I have to be doing it. I have to be doing it visibly and outwardly. Yeah, I love that. Discipling others actually helps you become the disciple you're called to be. Amen. <laughs> well, you guys are hitting on it just right, Aaron. You, as the head of your household, of your family, you're the primary person passing on the faith to your children. Yeah. And it's an incredible blessing that you have that, that self-knowledge to know that you have to carry that into your family. I think a lot of times our families in the Christian world may not have the first idea on how to raise their children up in the faith. They have some basic ideas on prayer, but I think that is where you mentioned the parish earlier. It comes in so powerfully because the parish as it was intended through the church is supposed to be the place that teaches the domestic church how to be holy. It gives people basic building blocks on how to live out your faith in your family. And I think that's that's really where the battle is, is in the church, the local church, and in the family. If we can get those two right, yeah. well, then we're going to have disciples who are making disciples all across the country. Amen to that. That's awesome. Got another great practical point. First of all, if you're hearing anything in the background, there's a lovely rainstorm happening outside <laughs> the studio right now. So it's uh, massive. our equipment isn't collapsing. Heaven is, heaven <laughs> yes. is sitting down graces. <laughs> it's like, this is good. I want more of it uh, in the church. Pour it out. Let it rain, Lord. I, I don't know where I heard this, um, but it's it's another discipline that I've been import- I've been intentional on bringing to, to life in my own family. You know, um, I don't know if, if, you, if you have raised children, maybe your children... Are, are much holier than mine. But um, as, as great as my, my kids are and as close as they want to be in relationship with Jesus, getting them motivated to get out the door to go to Mass on Sunday morning sometimes is a struggle. No right? parent has ever struggled with that. <laughs> Maybe I'm just going to yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be, it's just me. Ooh, this is a lot of vulnerability okay. right now. <laughs> if you're a parent out there right now, I was that kid for I can't even tell you how many years, and it paid off well. Actually, so, it out. So I, I, I heard, I heard a, a message that struck me to the heart um, in its simplicity, and it was, hey, if you want your kids to be excited about going to Mass on Sunday, let ask yourself, are you excited about going to Mass on Sunday, <laughs> right? Do you look excited to them when you're getting ready for Mass on Sunday? Or, or do are you, you look stressed out? Or are you dragging your feet? <laughs> or are you stressed? Or, you know? And um, I, I, I started taking that to heart. And, and I'd say, in, I don't know, in the last six months, it's been really noticeable that I just, I check myself on Sunday morning and I say this morning, regardless of what I'm feeling internally, I'm going to put on an attitude of joyfulness mm-hmm. as we're preparing our family for Mass. And, and I'm going to be one who's driving the conversation instead of, you know, relying on my wife or, you know, having the attitude that we just need to get them there and get it done. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been amazing, right? That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great word. I love that. Um, Connell, do you think maybe you could share kind of what your burning dream for the church is right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, thanks for asking that question, Dan. I, I think is kind of like what you guys hit on earlier with just discipleship. Because, you know, for me, and this is probably why I'm so passionate about discipleship, I met Jesus five years 
before I had a lived relationship with him. Mm-hmm. You know, five years of I, I'd met the man, but I didn't know how to follow him. And I, I can't say I can necessarily pinpoint one place that, that was the, the cause for that or the reason for that, but I, I can think of a solution. And to me, the solution is obviously the domestic church and, and the parish, like we hit on earlier. If you can get the parish and the family down, you'll have disciples up, out, all over the place. And so I think that the vision uh, for a successful parish that raises up disciples and disciple makers does three things. And they're similar to the, the mission motto for, for Damascus, mm-hmm. but it's to create a place where people can encounter the living Jesus. Kind of like you were saying earlier, how Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. What if our parishes were places where you can invite someone who was an enemy of religion and they had a powerful encounter with the person of Jesus? Well, that would be amazing. In every town in the country, you know? So that's number one, is creating a place where people can encounter Jesus, the real living person. And then secondly, you have to be able to take that encounter and turn it into a lived relationship. And so Vatican II, the second Vatican Council, the church laid out the vision of the parish as a school of prayer. (laughs) Prayer is just relationship. That's all it is. Teresa of Avila says prayer is just a heartfelt relationship with your divine beloved. And so... After that encounter is, has occurred in the local parish, what if the parish was a place where people could go regularly, maybe even every day, once a week, whatever it is, and be taught how to live this relationship mm. with Jesus in a very personal way, the same way I was in college by John. He, he taught me how to pray so that I was eventually independent and self you know, depend, able to do this on my own, and Jesus could take care of the rest, so to speak. Yeah. And then finally... You know, the mission of a church, or deepest identity, as John Paul II says, is to evangelize. And so the third part of a parish is a place that trains and equips people to go out into the streets, into the grocery stores, into their place of work, and be Jesus to the world. And those those three things, to be a place of encounter, to be a place of, you know, lived discipleship, and then to be a mm-hmm. place to train missionaries is, in my mind, like the vision for a parish. And if the parish is doing those three things well— well, then I think that you can have people in, in families, people who are single, in any kind of lifestyle who can be going forward in their, in their faith. And to me, that, that's all. I mean, I think that is the greatest solution I can think of to, to the world right now. Yeah. Amen. That's a great vision for the parish life. I think there's that, that idea of like accomplishing all of those three tasks seems almost insurmountable mm-hmm. to an extent, right? Like where you think about like, okay, wait. What is our parish doing right now? Is that like how do we accomplish that? And do we do we have to win everyone over first and like bring everyone into a relationship with Jesus? And then we start this next phase and then we start making them. Um, but I think one of the like the easiest thing is just like become that first yourself, right? Yeah, really like good. become the person who has fallen deeply in love with Jesus. Become the person who has a lived relationship with Jesus and become an evangelizer, missionary person. And when you're a Jesus person, then like uh, that at least presents a, if you will, a template. Like yeah. imitate me like I imitate Christ. Like, yeah. have, you, have, you, have either of you guys ever seen that working well? In a functioning parish? Mm-mm. Is it a TV show? <laughs> no, no, he's asking. Have, have, I'm asking. Oh, oh. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Have we seen discipleship work like applied well in a in a parish? I think it's really complicated because it's such a the parish is so large, right? Like our our American parishes have become large, and so it's really hard to say 
Um, there are parishes that have a lot of disciples in it, and they're making disciples. Uh, are they winning the whole parish boundary or the whole parish? That becomes difficult when you're talking about 6,000 families, you know, or 4,000 mm-hmm. families. And um, Yeah, I think there there are I, – I have seen some parishes that from a top-down approach have made this the priority. They call it a clear path to discipleship where you, you basically have a system in place in the parish where anybody in their faith wall could come in, find a place that they could continue moving upward towards Jesus and mm-hmm. constantly be going deeper. But maybe that's not the place. Maybe that's not the case in a lot of our parishes right now. We just have mass on Sunday and then a few other gatherings throughout the month. And I think – it's exactly like you're saying, Dan. I've heard it said that the greatest way you can serve the world, the greatest way you can love the world, is just by being personally holy. Yeah. You know? And if you're covering those three bases of, you know, just, actually just one is being as Jesus like as you can, there's nothing that we could be doing that would be a better service to our church, to our world than that. And so if there's not a system in place in parishes right now that has a top down, perfect model for discipleship, yeah. just being someone who's willing to be bold and disciple people to invite them to relationship with Jesus is accomplishing the same goal. Yeah, I love that. I think you, I I do think there's definitely parishes that are working really hard to accomplish this, right? Absolutely. And, and they're setting up like you said they're setting up top-down models and I was almost uh I was sharing with a a young adult group last night and they I forget someone asked like how do you how do you best evangelize, right? And uh, the only the image that came to my mind was, you know, setting picking a person up because they asked, "How do you help people get caught on fire?" Right? Mm-hmm. And the image I had was picking a person up and sticking them in a furnace is the best <laughs> way to catch them on fire, right? Yeah. And I think what happens is we we have a lot of we haven't created parishes that are furnaces yet. You know, we may have parishes that are. Um, that that have people who are on fire, but the parish itself is in a furnace. And when the parish is a furnace, then anyone that's invited into it, boom, automatically they're caught on fire, right? Yeah. Because they see a lifestyle within the parish community that's so compelling that they say, I want that. And then mm. they start asking the questions, how do I get that? How do I become like you? How, do, how does my family start living like this family? I want, And then they start begging to be discipled, right? Yeah. But when the parish isn't a furnace, you come and you, you're, you're advertising, you're marketing all these programs that you've built, but that person isn't compelled to ask the question, I want what you have. So the so often I think we're like, we have it, we have it, we have it. But there's nothing compelling enough to say uh, or to get the person to ask that question, you know? Yeah. You, you know, Dan, I, in my experience, I've never seen anything more attractive than the bride of Christ, the church, <laughs> worshiping the bridegroom Jesus. Yeah. You know, there is nothing that attracts and draws the human heart more than that. And I think that's simply because that's how the human heart was built. Exactly. It was made to worship our maker. And this has been my experience. And I think this can also be modeled in the domestic church too, the local family, even if like you're saying the parish or maybe our own parish isn't there yet. Because there there are various conferences or concerts that I've been to. Damascus hosts retreats all the time that mm-hmm. are just places where the culture of Christianity is lived out so thickly, so authentically that people are just attracted to it simply by being there. In high school, I would go to conferences occasionally and I would invite a buddy or two and we would worship and we would praise the Lord through song or through sacrament. And because the culture of the the space was so faith-filled, people who didn't even believe in God 
were responding to him and were expressing how they had such a positive experience and they love mm. to do it again. It really is the thing that is so core to the human heart. And I think that can be lived out in the domestic church too when we see families that are just their number one thing is to be just in love with Jesus yeah. from the father to the mother to the children. People will see that family and there's, again, few things, if anything, more attractive to the human heart than yeah. a, a domestic church or a local church that's just on in on fire in love with Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the reality, isn't it? Uh, with, with some exceptions, of course, but your kids' passions, they're caught. They're caught from their friends or they're caught from their parents. Mm. I mean, I, I look at my, I look at my children, like what are, what are my kids passionate about? Well, they're passionate about the things that we spend time prioritizing as a family. Wow. Um, Leah loves piano. Why? Because dad plays piano. Mm-hmm. Leah, Leah loves flute. Why? Because mom plays flute, right? <laughs> Diggory loves being a wild man, right? He loves, he loves carving weapons. Why? Because I love sharing <laughs> times of carpentry with him. Like those are, those are the moments that you we share together. You love weapons too. <laughs> Don't can't, deny can't, it. Can't say that on the radio. <laughs> but it's, you know, if the, 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 the things that we are passionate about, our kids will catch. Um, my, you know, it's it's even interesting to see this is a this is an uh, Monica and I our family has grown in our own expression of faith right and um we we've been married for for 13 years right and uh when close to 13 years and and when when you when you see the uh when you see the practical lived reality of your faith um impacting the lives of your kids it's 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 pretty profound so I see Leah who's um, who's in sixth grade. I see Diggory, who's in uh, third grade, and I see Rowan, who's in kindergarten. And Rowan has had more exposure to a practically out loud lived faith in her parents than Leah and Diggory had. Mm. And because of that, Rowan is our loudest and most vocal proponent of living faith out loud. And it's it's really funny to see that as we as parents express the things that we believe are valuable to us, that our kids mm. catch it. Well, you know, Aaron... It's it's exactly like you're saying, because the best part about discipling another person is mm-hmm. that the discipler also becomes more like Jesus in the process. It's not like we just empty ourselves out to empty by trying to raise someone else up in faith. Is as we train others, or train Amen. is an interesting yep. word, but love them into relationship with Jesus, he loves us deeper into himself. And maybe mm-hmm. that's for a lot of the listeners right now, where they're at in their relationship, the next step really is to walk with someone else because that's how Jesus is going to draw them personally Mm. into deeper relationship. Well, you know, our tagline for the show is where encounter meets mission. And I would say, if you don't have mission, you actually haven't had an encounter. And so if you're not a discipler, I would question whether you're a disciple, Mm. right? Because the two go hand in hand. I can't, um, I can't not, if I've met Jesus immediately, I, the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit in my life is to sanctify others and to sanctify the church. And so as I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, immediately I'm called to give the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the, the it's that, yeah, that notion of like, okay, I'm going to become holier through this process. And so if you're like, well, I'm trying to become a disciple myself and I've got to get everything together first before I start discipling others. It's like, no, actually <laughs> start discipling others and that's how you get it all together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that. We're going to take a short break and when we come back, uh, we're just going to keep diving into this powerful message of our call to discipleship. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We will be right back. 
The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Once you lose faith, if somebody does something to you and hurts you one time, two times, three times, four times, St. Peter thought seven was a good number. How often should I forgive my brother, Lord? Seven times? My Lord said, no, 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 no. Seventy times, seven times a day. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. If you're currently an EWTN media missionary or just interested in becoming one, we've got some great news. EWTN Media Missionaries has a new and improved website. EWTNMissionaries.com, designed with you in mind. Our new site is loaded with great features and it's easy to navigate. There are so many different ways that you can help EWTN. Join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNMissionaries.com today. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus, where encounter meets mission. Thanks for joining us today so far. This is our our last segment of the show, and it's been a wild ride. It's been a great show, right, Dan? Oh, yeah. Uh, It's always a great show, Aaron. (laughs) We've been talking about discipleship. At the end of the show, someday we'll just be like, that was such a bad show. No. (laughs) Nope, that will never happen for us. We'll always be excited about our show. We'll we'll at least turn (laughs) off the radio or the mics first. Yeah. Okay. That was a bad joke. <laughs> uh, we've got Connell Hughes here with us, a, a, a graduating missionary um, here at Damascus, being deployed into into parish life, and um, so excited about about kind of diving into this message. So I want to I want to wrap up a, a train of thought before we ask Connell to maybe share with us um, what the next steps for him are. Uh, we're, we're looking at how discipleship, how lived accompaniment, relationship. You know, we'll use some common. Uh, secular words, coaching, right? Life coaching is is a part of real Christian life. This is how we this is how we communicate the reality of the faith. This is how we communicate the reality of anything. And uh, you know, we're going to we're going to grow into the person that we're trained, right? We're gonna go, we're gonna grow into the person that we're trained by. I'm gonna become my father. You're gonna become your mother, right? This is this is how this is how human beings grow. This is how the Lord's designed us to grow in family. And the parish context should be no different, that the, the, the proper way that the faith is passed on isn't from a stage, and it's not even necessarily from an ambo, but it's in the domestic church. It's in, it's in the church. The more that our parishes can look like families, the more effective they'll become. Mm. And there's a reason that we call our priests father, right? Mm. Because, because we need to put ourselves in a place of being formed in family. Now it's hard for a, it's hard for a pastor to be the only one who's responsible for forming uh, a flock, right? A family. Uh, you know, uh, the reality is we may not have close relationships with many of our parish priests. It'd be it'd be pretty impossible for that to happen with a with a a guy who's in charge of pastoring a family of of thousands of families or hundreds of families. Mm-hmm. But we as a parish we 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 need to we need to realize that that there's a different way to accomplish that. And um, this isn't just a convicting message, right? It's a celebratory message. We're seeing parishes that are, that are truly embracing this call to great effect. Dan, Dan's a member down at St. Catherine Parish in Columbus, right? Yeah. And yeah, they're doing an incredible St. job. St. Catherine and, and a handful of other parishes, St. John Newman, the one that I'm associated with as well, uh, um, through some dynamic programs, through, through actually taking uh, you know, a moment to be introspective and to ask, are we actually effectively accomplishing our mission of discipleship? Uh, there are 
individuals, there are organizations, there are programs that, that are, that are aimed at helping us to learn how to do this better. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're an equal opportunity employee here at Beyond Damascus, but Alpha is a great example if you've not seen Alpha in your current parish. Why? Because it equips individuals to actually be the ones who invite other individuals to experience the faith in the context of the parish. And, uh, you know, we've seen at St. Catherine, we've seen at St. John Newman that it's been tremendous in its impact of people who weren't, you know, we're not just taking... Um, every Sunday weekly mass goers and asking them to grow deeper, but we're taking people who aren't even on the radar and bringing them into relationship with Jesus and, Mm -hmm. and praise the Lord, Mm. praise the Lord for that. So, uh, there's hope and there's opportunity for us. And, uh, in order to speak to that, I, I, we, we talked about Connell's passion for the church and particularly his passion for, for parish life. And, um, Connell, would you, would you like to share with us a little bit about, what it is that you felt this call of God on your life leading toward and, and where it is that you're going next. Oh, Aaron, I'm so excited. Yeah, I think this may be one of the, if not the most exciting times to be a Catholic that's ever existed before. I think the Holy Spirit is doing something incredible yeah. in the local church right now. And I can't think of an organization more with more potential to change the world than the local church. Mm. So I'm very excited to you know agree with what you're saying. The, the Spirit is doing things in the local church right now. And I just want to get in on it. I just see so much potential for the Mm. local church. And so my time here at Damascus has been amazing. I'm still going to be in the area and I hope to still receive some, some formation from you too, because you're incredible evangelist. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but regardless, I I want to spend my life serving the local church. I want to empty it Mm -hmm. out on the feet of Jesus, uh, through, through his ministry, the local church. And so in order to do that, I, I want to be equipped and trained to best build a school of prayer, a place mm. of encounter, a place that sends forth missionaries. And so I, I found a parish in this area that is one of, if not maybe the most innovative parish I've seen. Mm-hmm. The pastor is incredible. And so I'm really excited to take my second year as a missionary and just serve underneath him, mm-hmm. learn how he does all that he does, accomplish any tasks he assigned me to uh, for the purpose of learning how to build a healthy and thriving parish that doesn't just serve the needs of those in the pews, but also invites those outside the walls of the church into the pews themselves. And so it's going to be an amazing, amazing ride. Um, I've spoken with his director of evangelization and she's also incredible and they just have a great vision for raising up each individual person in their parish, regardless of where they're at in their faith journey. Yeah. Uh, because again, if you can get the parish right, then the domestic church, the local family will thrive and be amazingly healthy. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's an exciting call, man. Uh, well, let, Dan, why don't we pray for Connell and for his, uh, for his mission. And at the same time, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pray up. We'll pray for, uh, any of our listeners who are feeling a, a particular call to parish transformation, mm-hmm. and yeah. then we'll uh, and then we'll we'll maybe give some some closing thoughts before wrapping up today's show. All right, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Mm-hmm. Jesus, thank you for the call you've placed on Connell's life, and thank you for the message of parish transformation. Jesus, we can't abandon our our parishes. That you've you've placed such a richness within your church, God. You've placed such a responsibility in us. Lord, you want to transform this world through the sacraments. God, you want to transform this world through your presence. And we pray that you would uh, assist Connell in equipping him to have the, the capability of pouring out his heart on that altar, Lord Jesus, and that you would continue to equip others. 
If Connell's message has been inspiring to any of our listeners today, Jesus, I pray that you'd put in them uh, a, a transformative, compassionate heart, that you would call them to action, um, maybe in a way that was that was outside of the box or something they hadn't thought of before. Yes, Lord. Lord, I pray for all those who have had a call to the parish life, uh, to serve and to labor in their local church and uh, have are feeling burnt out. I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit would fall upon you and heal all the wounds of your heart and mm-hmm. would reignite the fire that God originally placed within you. Lord, I pray that their hearts would blaze with fire for your people, fire for your vision for the church, fire for uh, just love of souls. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray for all those priests um, who have been laboring in our churches, Lord, that you would just continue to provide for every need that they have, that all divine solutions would be poured out upon them, that they would find within the Eucharist their resting place and their nourishment to continue to uh, to father their flock. Mm-hmm. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, we pray, pray especially also for uh, um, diocesan and parish employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, who've who've dedicated their lives in service, particularly if there are any diocesan or parish employees listening to to the show today. Um, Lord, we pray that that you would pour out a new passion and zeal in their hearts. Remind them of the grace uh, that came along with that first yes to service of you. Jesus, bring back to mind those moments, those deepest and most intimate moments where you shared your heart, where you shared your life with them. And we pray that you would do it again in them. Amen. We pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Connell, thanks for joining us today. It's been a joy having you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. And uh, listeners, um, I, I pray that God will have inspired in us a desire to do more. So just to recap, we've talked about your importance of discipleship in family. We've talked about your importance of discipleship in parish. And, uh, you know, I, I want to extend that out to to the workplace, to the you know, to the supermarket that as, 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 we're, as we're going about our lives, as we're going throughout our day, you are the one who's responsible through relationship, through learning somebody's name, through looking somebody in the eye, through actually carrying a, a heart for a faith that's worthy and, I don't know, desiring of being imitated, that that, that, that responsibility lies on you, right? Let us live lives that are worthy of imitation. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you want to share this episode with any of your friends or parishioners, feel free to download our podcast, Beyond Damascus, wherever podcasts are found, and share it with others. Yeah, and, and thank you, listeners. Once again, Dan and I, we work up here at Damascus in Centerburg, Ohio, right in the middle of the state of Ohio. And our mission here is to awaken, empower, and equip a generation to live the adventure of the Catholic faith. If you are or you know any young people, middle, high school age, um, check out our webpage at www.damascus.net to see all of the events and programs that we offer here, particularly our retreats for um, elementary and high schools, I guess middle schools and high schools um, throughout the spring and the fall seasons, and then our Catholic Youth Summer Camp, our flagship program, which operates all summer, and our winter camp that accompanies it. Awesome opportunities to engage in the process of coaching and discipleship of being equipped and awakened and empowered to new life in Christ. Thanks for joining us today. God bless.